Hi, and welcome to Keen Minds, where we're covering episode or season five, episode twelve of NBC's The Blacklist. Tommy Waddles. I'm Jen, aka Takata Cycle, and I am Tessa. And it's me. I just sound very different because I have a cold from hell. Yeah. Poor Tessa. She, she's really yeah. sick. I've had a crazy week. Tessa's sick. So apologize if we're weird or weirder than usual, I suppose, considering we're, yeah, that's both, a a good little, one. <laughs> we're both a little odd to begin with. <laughs> so uh, do you want to start in on the blacklister? How did you like him? I loved him. Um, he was so magnificently weird. He was really, really weird. I loved it. Um, I mean, this this crazy priest that um, decides that is it's like the the ultimate abdication of responsibility. I feel the desire, therefore you're the guilty party. It's perfect. It's so much in our times. I, I was gonna say it's very much an issue that's been going on. Oh well, she was asking for it because she was wearing a short skirt. It was because of what it was. At one point, he goes, "Why are you dressed that way?" I'm like, "She was changing clothes, you creep! You're in her house." Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was. Oh, I think it was creepy. So I think he was referring to what she was wearing before because they kept they kept no they they kept uh, when when she was with him they kept going into like the lace and the stuff like the camera was to go there all the time. I I think he was referring to the fact that she was because I think she was changing her underwear. Yeah, she was in her underwear. It was her home. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you want to waltz around in your underwear in your home, that's your prerogative. And he came. In and was bashing what she was wearing. I, he was a creep. Like, I mean, he was great for a blacklister, but oh, he gave me the heebie-jeebies. He was everything that I. Well, he he's right there with the creep from, um, from the Cypress Agency mm. and uh, Hightower. The just really really creepy ones that make you yeah. just shudder when you think about it. I think I think this is the worst of the creeps against women because this is I mean this is really like the, there's no way on earth that I got any responsibility. Whatever happens to me is your fault. Yeah, basically. So, so I I loved it because and the and the actor was terrific doing it. I mean, he was so convincing. Oh, he was. He was terrifying. And I'm sure uh, the Rumi and I have a long-standing joke that some of the scary, the actors that play the scariest roles, the meanest roles, the creepiest roles, you know, the roles that make you just go, oh, I hate that person, you know, I hate that character. When you meet them in real life, they are the biggest cinnamon roles you'll ever meet. Well, there, there's characters that are always, there are actors who always play those, those roles. Yeah, sometimes you just get into a niche that you like. I've got one mm-hmm. actor that I really like that he he always loves going for the really odd roles. I have to be very careful about his movies because as much as I love him, I can't handle it when he's playing a vicious serial killer. You know, <laughs> like I can I can handle him as a villain. I can't handle him as a total creep. You know. I, I so. But I love the fact that we're getting into blacklisters and stories that have to do with fire. Because yes. that yeah. we're, we're inching towards the fire. We got mythology in this one. Little bit, because um, what the, the uh, uh, what was his name? I don't Fagan. think that that was the fire. I believe it was. I meant to go back after my rewatch today and double check, because he made a comment about, he said, is this about the something fire? And he called a name. The fire that trickles. No, no, it was. I I, I don't have it in front of me. Um, just I think it was trickles. Fritzels. F- Fritzels, Fritzels, yeah. Is Fritzels. It, is that, that that's? Yeah, I that sounds like a, a a restaurant or something. Oh, okay. That wasn't the name of the uh, the townhouses that caught on fire that we saw. No, that was Allen uh, Allen Allison Street. Okay. All right. Well, I thought maybe that that was that he was from that, um, but then I guess not. Plus, the, t- the timing doesn't quite go because he had been sentenced to fourteen years, so that means that the fires were about fifteen years ago, and he's well, been doing it for a number of years. But I don't think that the number is year is twenty six. 
not because of the age, the age will go, but I think that it was, it's, it's just the, the timing doesn't, I think it was another fire and, and he was in there. It, it could be, I'm not saying it's not, but. Well, I, I was going off of the name, but it's still very interesting and and very obviously working towards something that he's he's got himself a, a pyro on, on staff now. Because he was very, it was interesting to see how he went at him because you don't see Red do that very often. I mean, he talked to Dembe, I guess it was last season, when he said that that he doesn't require people to stay. They stay because he makes them a lot of money. And we've seen that time and time again that he earns these people's loyalty by befriending them, by making them a lot of money, by finding out what they're interested in. And I mean, he's learned the, the Carney language over the course of the last year or so while Liz has been out. Mm-hmm. I mean, so uh, he gets close with his employees. He drove up in a very Scotty, Scotty Hargrave sort of fashion in the t- town car, rolled down the window and was like, you now work for me and mm-hmm. drove off. It was very cold, very calculated, very... Very distant. Scotty Hargrave, yeah. It was. It was very Scotty. It reminded me of her. And it was very not red. It was interesting. And so I'm, I'm curious what their background is. Um, because he knew him immediately. He called him by name. Yeah. Fagan. It's obvious that they, they have some sort of history together. Um, one of the interesting things for that, for that um, storyline to me is I, I always say red is associated with me with water. You always, you know, it's not just the Navy, but it's frequently by fountains. And he has stories about the sea and fishes and fishing and uh, streams, lakes, oceans. All these stories is, is all about water, pools. Well, Katerina seemed to be somewhat fiery. I mean, she had the fiery personality, the temper, um, things that are normally... And it, Funny because Red almost died by fire, while Katerina, associated with fire, uh, supposedly died by water. So you're getting two characters and two elements that seem to not go with one another. Yin and yang. Mm-hmm. Except for making tepid water. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you could boil the water. Yeah. And then you scald yourself. Or somebody mm-hmm. else. Mm. In this case, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the blacklist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, so, all right, so the the blacklister was interesting, and as you said, I mean, we're bringing around the fire, uh, bringing that back around, so we're at least moving towards the end game. And, and I, I, I was, I gotta say, kudos to the stun man who did the the scene with the blacklister setting themselves on fire. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> terrifying, but awesome. <laughs> it was awesomely terrifying. I just, I mean, I, as we we're sitting there and watching it, the roomie's like, I guess they could have shot him to stop him from lighting himself on fire, but the guy was such a creep that everybody needed to see him die. I said, I think that's part of it. I said, I think they also just were so shocked by, I mean, it was just so horrifying. As you, ha- What you have is a priest who obviously is, you tend to look at a priest as a an individual that anybody can go to. It's, you know, the, it's mm-hmm. one of those figures that you can go to if you're in trouble, like this lady did, Claire. You know, I mean, no. she's sitting in the, having a moral crisis in the middle of a, an airport. She sees a priest and goes because that's, mm-hmm. even if you're not religious, in the middle of a moral crisis, that tends to be Something you figure do. that you can go to a religious figure yeah. and they will be able to give you advice because that's yeah. what it is. But and I, I so, thought it but, was, but I mean, and you had this guy who, in a way, used that. I mean, because well, I mean, I don't think he was intentionally using, it, but he was just so nuts. I mean, to to go down the path he did from the bear, you know, one lady bought him lunch because she'd seen him buy a homeless person lunch. I mean, mm-hmm. someone looked at him, and suddenly he was murdering them because they mm-hmm. were demons. The level of psychosis there is just terrifying, and I think that uh, wh- I think it more more than psychosis is abdicating of responsibility. Oh yeah, you know that's not me. You're doing this, not me. I'm not crazy. It's you. Well, crazy people don't know they're crazy, mm-hmm. and 
And so I, I think to a degree, Wrestler and Samar were just kind of so shocked by it that, mm. you know, they, they froze. And his recompense. Yeah. You know, we're going back to the debt collector. He killed by fire. He died by fire. And and he goes perfectly well with the theme of, of this, which is Red got himself now a arsonist because somebody is going to get recompense. Somebody is going to pay for leaving him in a house on fire. Well, uh, do you want to go into the task force? Yes, let's do it. So let's go with Wrestler because Ress had such an interesting scene there at the end. I mean, he had a lot of good scenes. It, it was a fairly mm-hmm. balanced, uh, it was fairly balanced. I felt like there wasn't just, I mean, there, there were some Liz, but I felt like that, you know, it was more focused on the blacklister this time. Um, but it was just so interesting because he really has, he's had this journey that he's been on since the beginning of second chances. And that's been a big mm-hmm. theme through the blacklist. I mean, Tom talked about it all, but, you know. His was mm-hmm. this huge second chance. Liz got a second chance. Red is hoping that Liz will be his second chance. Wrestlers had several. He's had the second chance that he got after the addiction because any other partner may have just turned him in. Mm-hmm. Liz cared enough to, to work with him and to, to cover for him when she needed to until he could kick it himself. He had a second chance, however, brief with Audrey, who had mm-hmm. left him because of the job and then got killed because of the job. And then now he's had a second chance with Prescott, with everything mm. that happened. He saw second chances with Liz, with everything that's gone on with her. She's had multiple times where she's gotten that uh, that new chance starting over. Mm-hmm. He, I know some people that listen will disagree with me, but I still say that he and Tom, they didn't get as close as I would have liked them to get. I, I was all for the bromance, but he saw something deeper in Tom before Tom died that allowed wrestler to see him more than just, you know, the, the spy who had screwed over his partner. Mm. And so, I mean, this theme of second chances is all through the show, but it's interesting because wrestler who you talk about rubber banding all the time, Mm -hmm. he is both seen and received multiple chances and is learning bit by bit. He's, it's the, the joke from Game of Thrones. I may be a slow learner, but I do learn. And that's kind of how I feel about Russ right now, is that it's it's difficult for him to wrap his mind around this world. But bit by bit, the more he sees, the more he experiences himself. Because, as we've also talked about before, Wrestler has a tendency to react differently until he has himself experienced the situation. Um, and so he's experienced this this manipulation here, the fact that a lawman that was above the law, the perfect cop, you know, that even he could be manipulated for over a year. I mean, for just months mm-hmm. and months and months. Heaven knows what all he did for Prescott. Mm-hmm. And... He realizes this is not something you can just... This is not a black and white situation. Anybody has a price. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because Samar tells, in theory, um, uh, Fagan Fagan, about uh, how, you know, he was... uh, how, How does it feel, you know, making believe that you're the hero when you're a criminal? But she says it and looks at a wrestler... Oh, so she, I think that's Samar. She shot him a couple of looks. When he mm-hmm. was on the stand, it panned over to Samar, and she's looking at him like... You better do better. Yeah. And yeah. so I think she knows. I think, you know, I think she knows. But she, Liz may she have went to known. Cooper. She she went to Cooper. Mm-hmm. That's so the difference it, in the so, friendships there. Yeah. Well, I think, I, think, uh, I, I think Samar definitely knows, but it was an interesting thing because... Uh, I think that as as wrestler learns this th- this lesson, it's it's he will do less rubber banding because the rubber banding is when you think that there is an absolute moral that doesn't change, and then you go away from it. When when you know that things are always relatively okay or not relatively okay, that some things may be legal but not okay, some things may be illegal but okay then you tend to do less rubber banding. That That is not to say that, that wrestler will always will become like red. I think that there is there is this 
you can go a little to the left and a little to the right of, of where you are, but you cannot become somebody different. And, and Ressa will never become a criminal. The fact that he was so unease in, during this whole Prescott situation tells me that. Yeah, I, I it would take... No, I don't see a scenario where he would. Mm. I mean, just, no, he, just he, his personality type. He just went a little on the gray side. He learned a little humanity that that you can be... Just because the fact that you're a criminal or that you have done criminal things doesn't make you a criminal, that there is there is good in every everything bad, and there is a little bad in everything good. Doing bad things for good reasons and good things mm-hmm. for bad reasons. Mm-hmm. And, and he knows that is, you know, he told Liz that there is, you know, the things may not be all right in, the, in what they do with the task force, but it's a better alternative. How many parents get to go home to their kids? How many families mm-hmm. get to stay alive because of what they do? Yeah. I do have one thing to say about wrestler yeah. that I want to mention. Uh, the blacklister had a, a very interesting line, and he said that um, not not the blacklister. Fagan had a very interesting line. He said, "You know, living the lie was worse than than the than being caught." And that the moment that he confessed was the moment he was set free. And and. Cooper had a line, you know, he said, you know, mother of God. And, and there is like almost like this little priestly thing going on with Cooper. And the thing that 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 caught my eye with that is that, you know, what what wrestler did by writing the letter was write a confession. That is good for the soul because it sets you free. And Cooper took that and put it in in his uh, pocket and gave him another letter. And I thought, at the moment, I thought it, and I said, this is too crazy for me to even consider this. So I never said anything about it. But I felt that Cooper's letter is blank. And the reason to give him that letter is to put him and wrestler on equal footing in there, that we are all compromised here. And we are all doing things that we shouldn't be doing. And that he is never going to send that letter because wrestler is getting his second chance through the, the good that he's doing in the task force. So it was interesting because you're getting all these things that come from episodes and there's a little something in the back of your head saying, there's something in that scene that quite doesn't click all the way with me. And I think that when I saw this blacklister, I said, ah, that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, I could see that being a possibility there because, I mean, there's got to, you and I have very different opinions about where this is going. Granted, I don't know if I know where this is going anymore. (laughs) I know it's going somewhere. I just don't know if I know where it's going or like where it's going. Um, I was going to say. But uh, I I don't think everybody's going to end up dead and or in jail. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit too intense even for this, this lot here, but... Well, it's it's uh, it, it was one of the situations with that letter exchange that was either they're going to go in jail or they know where this is going. Cooper has always been on this with with and they're I mean, they're going to be bruised and all that. It's going to be it's very it's it's a dark tale. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. All right. So now into Samar. I liked Samar in this. Um, it's funny because I, I've i talked to a, a person or two that apparently I, I feel like I'm the only one that liked her. You're cute. Isn't he cute? You know, moment with Aram. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Apparently I'm the only one that liked that. Oh, it was, I thought it was hilarious. And, and, and Cooper is adorable. Let's get I, over there. I just saw it as a continuation of the flirty thing that she's been doing from the beginning. You know, the talking about, mm. you know... Just don't lose your hair. Just don't go bald. Or, no. uh, Don't get fat. Don't get fat. That was it. You know, just the little quips that she drops all the time. It's just, they're together now. They're, Mm -hmm. it sounds like they're living together. I mean, they're apparently doing very well. And so, I mean, and everybody knows, so why hide it, you know? Mm -hmm. These guys have been through so much. They're basically family. And so, you know, I just, I thought it was funny and... A light moment. I, I was very entertained by it, but that 
That's just me. I enjoyed it. Um. <laughs> Samar uh, loved. <laughs> if uh, see, it's funny because I thought that at one point Samar was going to be like the one more most likely to go to red, you know, if necessary. Um, to work with, exclusively with him, but it's funny how she has um, found a little more of her center. Samar is another one who got second chances many times. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I said, it's a theme that runs all through this show. Mm, Everybody- I haven't noticed, so yeah, good, good call. <laughs> Every yes, you have. <laughs> mm? uh, no, none of that. No second chances. No. I never notice. Um, But yeah, I mean, all of them have gotten them to some degree. I mean, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad, and sometimes continuing to need second chances again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Well, Aram got, he killed somebody and then then he couldn't hit the button. Then he Mm -hmm. definitely hit the button. (laughs) (laughs) And launch. (laughs) Yeah. And then he was like, oh, maybe I need to be a field agent so I don't panic. I I want to. I think there's supposed to be an episode coming up with him in the field. I want to see him in the field. I like that would be, that's awesome. I'm very excited for that. Uh, that would be very very I, fun. I love badass couples. Like that's that's my thing. And so they've they've taken my <laughs> they've taken my team keen from me. So at least at least put a rom in the field and make them awesome. You know. <laughs> Samar shooting the bad guys, Rom hacking them, you know, go. <laughs> so, um, Aram didn't have a lot to do this. He was just cute and smiley and very excited well, when his girlfriend he, flirts with him. Yeah, and also he was wearing a plaid tie. I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, Cooper was also wearing plaid. So, what is cooking at the post office? always something cooking at the post office Mm -hmm. but somebody's cooking something special in there because there have been a lot of plot ever since Liz left I thought it was okay maybe somebody sending her the boxes I'm not so sure anymore I just hope that Aram doesn't end up being a spy or somebody bad Aram? I know Uh, I, I mean something is going on at the post office that's all I'm saying I don't know what it is but somebody is Somebody's doing something they shouldn't. That's typical. Mm. All right. So do we want to move into Red and then move into Red and Liz and just kind of all together? Yeah, let's um, let's do Red. Let's do Tadashi. And Mariko. I love Mariko. <laughs> <laughs> I love that woman. <laughs> I saw, I think it was Blacklister, said something on Tumblr, said, Red needs a good scolding. I was like, please, just let her glare at him all day long. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was funny when he said, she's terrifying. Uh, It's funny because Red, I think Red is off his game. He maybe got richer again, but he's off his game. Well, I mean, I thought it was entertaining that he apparently knew the whole story behind the spiders, but he didn't realize that the word for four and the word for death sound very similar in Japanese. Like, how do you See, miss that? I don't know. I knew it about Chinese, but I didn't no, know it about it's Japanese. She. It's she. In, in the American lettering, it's S-H-I for both. Mm. Uh, I, I, I don't know, know about, that. I don't know about the characters, but... Um, but in the, the American alphabet or, you know, whatever that's called. Um, there's a term for it. I'm blanking right now. But, no, it's she and she um, for death and four. And so it's, like, I I knew it in the back of my mind. It was Bad Omen. And as soon as they said it, I went, oh, that's why. It's because they sound the same. Um, I didn't know it for the for the Japanese. But, I knew it for Chinese. But Red should have. Most, I mean, they, I, I'm... Weird, I have, uh, I, I did some studying on Japanese stuff, so that's the only reason I have that in the back of my brain, but... I was gonna say, that's very impressive. Well, I mean, have you seen my handle on Tumblr? <laughs> to kind oh, of yeah. Angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of love for Japanese there. <laughs> um, yeah. There you go. It's clicking. See, some, sometimes, sometimes the most obvious is get is a little yeah. Two years later, Tessa gets it. <laughs> 
See, I didn't know that foreign Japanese. But they, I mean, let's talk about Tadashi. But, but was Tadashi was red, awesome. Red should have gotten that. Was my point is that he he ha- he's yes. got all those little quirky things in his brain. He should have known that. He he's off his game. And I remember that there was another time when Red was off his game, which was in um, when he got completely off when when Liz was pregnant. Remember that episode that he spent totally drunk. <laughs> yes, oh, I hated him in that episode. Singing with with poor Gerald and and the wife Brenda in the woods. And Tim Bay's just like, no, stop. <laughs> this is where we draw the line. <laughs> Love Tim so, so Tadashi, um, I I love Tadashi. That kid was awesome. He quoted Star Wars. He hacked and like I love his yikes. Um, I I loved him. I loved his mom. Awesome actors. The thing is, and I, Tessa and I talked a little bit about this, and I've also talked to some other friends. This episode, I've been angry at Red. This episode just like skyrocketed my level of pissed offness at Red. Because I, I'm i sure anybody that's been listening for a while remembers my very frustrated moments at the beginning of season four, where Red was basically trying to dictate how Tom and Liz were handling Agnes. And, and I'm sitting there going, he is not the father. He is not the father. I get that he's trying to protect them, but he cannot ask these parents of this child to just blindly trust him and follow his lead when it comes to their kid. He cannot do it. It is not appropriate. But Red and, does it all the time. I know he does. Everything. I know he does. But I'm. But just as a point of reference, that's what I was saying back at the beginning of season four. Mm. And on this episode, we, we find out that he does that with everybody, apparently. Here's this 15-year-old kid that he does something that Red needs. So, okay, he's 15. Kid's mom hates him. Oh, well, he'll buy her a gift, and he just, he's completely oblivious. I don't think he's completely oblivious to why the mom doesn't like him, but it doesn't fit in what he needs, so he just sort of ignores it and pretends that's not why. And if he just buys her enough things and showers her with enough gifts, she'll fall madly in, you know, not romantically in love, but, you know, just Mm. under his charms, and everything will be all right, and he'll get to use Tadashi, and... And I don't say used as in, like, he's trying to put the kid in danger, but he put the child in danger. The kid's house was shot up, and they had to remove the mom and the child from the from their own home with people with guns coming down into the basement because Red was using a 15-year-old kid. No, not, not every goons. Goons, who, uh, goons run by a guy who puts people through wood chippers. Yes. Well, dead. I mean, mind that we're dead, but nonetheless. Or butchers people in their own homes. Yes. Horrible, horrible person. Still want to stab Garvey in the face. That's We're just going to keep a tally. How many episodes? It's going to be continual until somebody does it. Um, but stab people in the face is rather hard because it's all bone. Stab hard enough, you can go through the eye socket. Um. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, the eye. Then you have to say the eye or the oh, mouth or well, something. Just in the face. I don't care. I just... I, Stop. <laughs> uh, <I laughs> moving mean, on, moving on. <laughs> Actually, it's very difficult to cut the throat. There's a lot of muscles there. They they make it look a lot easier on TV and movies. It's not nearly as easy to, to cut the throat as it may, they make mm. it look. Um, moving on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Jen does a lot of research. <laughs> um for writing. Not, I'm a writer. She's not that weird. Yeah, she's not that weird. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm a writer. When you look at my Google search, it looks like I'm a serial killer. Um, it's the way for all of us. It's okay. Anyway, but, but with Tadashi, I mean, it, it was just another highlight that Red does this. He just... He... He... He thinks that he can just gloss over what he did with with gifts. Instead of stopping and going, I just put a teenager and his mother in danger because mm. I wanted something from him. Well, that never crosses him. It's just, okay, you're safe now, and we'll get you back to your house when we can. You remember, um, you remember when um, he, we had uh, that episode with um, Ivan, and he said of the kid, oh, tell him if he ever wants to ex- earn extra money to give me a call. 
So I bet that Tadashi crossed his path just like that, and he got him. Yeah, but uh, he's still a 15-year-old kid. Still a 15-year-old kid whose mother is four square against it. I just, as as the adult of the situation, (laughs) Red is thoroughly responsible for anything that happens with that kid if he's doing stuff for him. Or, but, but I mean, it, it is hard. I mean, I know, I know what you're saying, but it is hard to judge Red. You have to get in the in the um, in the um, in the genre. I mean, in the genre, you're always going to have that the person who's able to help uh, the hero, the anti-hero, is somebody who is very vulnerable, and nonetheless, it does. I mean, it's just part of the genre. It, but it's it's a, in every it, situation. It's also going back to the character development on it, though. You say genre, I say character development, that he he is continuously showing time after time that he has no regard for the people who do have responsibility over these children's lives. He's, he thinks he knows better than everybody around him. He does. That's exactly true. And that is so... so his entitlement is through the roof on that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not gonna argue with that. Um, Red is Red is a character that has, you know, it, it's very interesting because his fatal flaws are are that he basically has he started projecting that this image that he was omni, omnis, omniscient and all powerful and all seeing, and I think that he came to believe it. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and now he thinks that, you know, he's like, oh, but Tom died because he didn't follow my advice. I told him to let it go. Is he, do you really expect that people are going to let be, things go because you tell them to? Oh, I loved Liz in that. Like, we, we can get to that here in a few minutes whenever we get to And you know that there's an, another explosion coming on that because when he said Tom died because I told him, you know, to stop. And, and Liz is like, this is for another time. I'm going to get you in that one, but I still need you. <laughs> I can't kill you yet. I need you. <laughs> yeah, there was there, there was a moment there that Liz had to use every single ounce of self-control uh, in order to keep on the thing when Andy was about when he says, but I told him, I gave him a warning to stop. And the fact that he never sees that as wrong, which the same goes for the fact that all the fans... That, see nothing wrong with this. Oh, I know. I was actually complaining about that today. I said all the fans that went after Tom and went after him and went after the fans of Tom, because believe me, this ended up in my inbox, Tom doesn't take responsibility for anything. Tom's never apologized. He doesn't understand that he's the one that put Liz in danger. She wouldn't be in danger if he hadn't done yada, yada, yada. Are you seeing what Red is doing right now? The continuation of it, that he never takes responsibility. I'm not saying he killed Tom Keen, but Tom would never have been in that position if he had just been honest with Liz. He is at least partially responsible. And to look in your daughter's eye as she's mourning the death of her husband, her child's father, who died because he's try- he was trying to find Red's secret and to say that to her? How insensitive do you have to be? Or how caught up in making sure that you feel like you're okay within your own chest do you have to be? Because yeah, right it, it, now, that, that sounds to me like he's trying to make himself believe it, even at her expense. And, and it, takes, it takes Dembit to say, that's a polite way to say she knows you're lying. It didn't get better, though. Like, Dembe said it, and maybe with Dembe for a minute it kind of clicked with him. But then they sit there at the end of the episode watching Agnes, and he's saying, oh, well, you know, you won't miss any more time with her than you have to. But if he would just fess up to her, if they could work together rather than around each other, and that's, that's what I always said about Tom and Liz in season one, how much better they work when they work together versus around each other. Same with Red and Liz. If he would just let her know what he knows, even those things that are going to put him in the spotlight for what he doesn't want to be seen for, if he would, they could find Tom's killers faster. But this BS about, well, our goals are aligned. I was just like, are you kidding me? What is wrong with you right now? 
Can you not see that she's in pain? That she, she's looking for the man that she's been looking for her entire life, her father, to show a little bit of compassion right now and a little bit of thought for her and the fact that she's going through all of this and he's so busy trying to cover his own butt. I'm mad at Red. <laughs> In case yeah. anybody was curious. Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's interesting because to me, it just shows something that Red does, which is Red believes that, you know, uh, remember that Tom said it silences his tell. You know, he inspires fears of people and things. And then it's almost like Red has been so far away from his family and surrounded by people whom he's the boss and who fear him and he's become this criminal in order to be feared, in order to protect Liz, that he for, he has just forgotten that there's going to be people who are not going to be afraid of him. Well, I, and I, his family shouldn't be afraid of him. But if I know that it's a theory and I don't have anything else but but imagery and that's all I got for that. But remember that scene with Emma and Red looking at, at Will playing the distance? Didn't this scene with Red and, and Liz looking at Agnes reminded you of that? Side by side looking at bit. a child playing? Yeah. And then Liz saying that she's missing things. And Emma I was saying that she had missed so much and she didn't want to miss anymore. So let's say that this is the same, that, that I'm right. You, you're seeing the same theme with Emma that I think is Jennifer than you're seeing with Liz. They, Red was, Emma said that it didn't occur to her to say that she could get out. You know, Red has been so used to inspire fear that he got to the point where for him just to say something was enough for people to do it. And Tom was not that kind of person. And Liz is not that kind of person. He should know better. But he doesn't. Because no. he's so caught up in his own ego. And what I was going to say a minute ago was that I think that, I've mentioned this before, that I've I've kind of come to the conclusion that he gave so much to this project of trying to protect Liz, this, this empire that he's built, that he's also lost himself. Yeah, he, what Kaplan said. Yeah, I mean, he, he gave so much that he ended up losing himself. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, this is. It's, just um, it's a it, it's a it was very interesting to me that um, and Liz is is, and I don't think that this is a a, a recent development that Liz has got caught up to his red speak. Liz is no longer pretending not to know and she's just understood a lot of things so you know that in all that time that she was um healing she also got to understand the things that red was saying she's she's now fully red speak fluent yeah oh i was so proud of her in those moments because i mean there are things that the fans have been saying for ages and then she's finally just busting out there with it now and the delivery was fantastic it just, it was a beautiful moment. A couple of beautiful moments there with, with her just laying it down and just basically not putting up with his crap. Um, I, I gotta say something. Remember when we had the episode where, um, after, after Ruin, um, the informant, and I and I said ah, I think that Navarro is basically just uh, a, a tethered goat and just left for Liz to find because I couldn't figure it out why he hadn't been taken out by Navarro by uh, Garvey why nobody has found him and then sing Garvey gets told that Liz is back asked what he should be doing he said nothing I'll I'll take care of on my end and then. Detective Singleton comes and tells her just the corner where to go find the Nash Syndicate. The one information she didn't have. And when with that information, she gets through a series of 
fun events into Navarro in the eye that was a GPS. So it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was a way to know where to get. I think that what he imagined she would do is get him to red. And with the GPS, he would know where he was. Do you think that Garvey knows? I mean, because he didn't seem to know who Liz was in the fall finale. It was just the wife. I don't. Th- I don't think I trust anything Garvey says. That's fair. Nothing. Nothing. Um, first, there, there are some things about Garvey that I find fascinating. The man apparently doesn't know how to use a redial. <laughs> yeah, you've mentioned this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, he also seemed to have no problem in, in meeting Red when he's on his terms. But he seems to have a reluctance to leave a calling card for Red. Like, call me. You know, like those lovely ones that they all send to each other. Like, onto somebody's dead body with a, with a knife. Um, call me. Like, Red leaves. And um, so... You know, Tom sends the little tattoo on the neck or the tongue to the director. They all leave these little messages. And Garvey doesn't seem to do so. So I don't think that Garvey can be trusted. I don't think that he wants to control Red. I don't think that he wants to blackmail Red. I think he wants to kill Red. Um, Does he know who this is? I'm not so sure. Maybe he just doesn't care. That that sounds very accurate there. I mean, it it, it, it I know that he's and he's told Tom uh, that he wanted to control Red, but I think it was because he didn't know the level of trust that Red had in Tom and vice versa. So he said something that he felt Tom would understand. I just want to blackmail him, so he's putting themselves in, 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 a, in a criminal mind, like, oh, they will understand this. I'm not so sure that he doesn't know or that it's just simply that. He doesn't care. It's all about Red. Um, I, I don't know if you saw, but I found in one of those, um, a, a while ago, in one of those uh, fire night, there's a, the blonde man fighting with Katerina seems to have a knife in his hand. So I know that the knife had to do with something, and it's, it sent a message to Red. Red was they, Red was looking at that knife in the previous episode in in, um, in um, Abraham's turn. He was mm-hmm. looking at that knife. Well, so I, mean, I they, think they've dubbed him Damascus. Yes, and so, so I mean they, that that says something that they're calling him by the name of the knife. Mm-hmm. So so and I think that Red knows who his what is it looking at and who he's looking at but i think that he doesn't know either who he is or he can't go at him yet and but he got himself now the arsonist so maybe he was just waiting for him to approach because i think that red what red told tom i don't think it was the the truth either i don't think that red knew thought that they wanted to go to him and um, sell it to him and blackmail him. I think Red knew exactly what they wanted that for. He was just lying to Tom. There's never been a rule that says he doesn't lie to Tom. I question if he lies to Liz or not, but you know, hey, that's some skeptical soul. Skeptical soul. He, he, he doesn't lie in the sense that he speak Red speak, so he doesn't, he's not technically lying. But he's not being honest, which is both things are perfectly compatible. He keeps saying that he's honest, though. And I'm like, no, that that I know is inaccurate. <laughs> and well, maybe he's convinced himself that he's being honest. Well, it, you know, if, Pat- if if pathological liars convince themselves of things. Um, I don't know if it's a pathological liar. Maybe it is. Maybe I am one. I, I've spoken like that all my life. You know, I don't like, I, I hate lies, but sometimes I can't tell the truth because it's just offensive. So I put it in a way that sounds good, but it's still technically true. So it's just a way when you have to do things like that, it, it at least gets you your, it's a lie. It's still a lie. And I know that it's a lie, but technically it's not. So he can live with that because Red can live with things that he has to live in. He's, pra- he's very, a very practical man. 
He does whatever he has to do. Um, this is the second spider that we've had. Karakur was a spider. We're getting spiders in the spider neck. Sp no, sp yeah. spider tattoo. The spider tattoo. We're getting the spider. Karakur was a spider. So there's a little theme going on here. Um, and it's funny because you you look at things and you don't really you don't really um, get all the the themes until you start like going further and further. But it's funny because you realize that there, I realized that there was a British a British theme lately, and I went back all the way to the beginning and there it was. I just hadn't seen it. Oh yeah, I mean that that tends to be the way with shows like this. Mm hmm. So, um, did you notice in that uh, house how it was a stage house? That's what she said, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the furniture had tacks on. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but they filmed the core. I don't think that they could get a house that has a, a long hallway. So, the way they filmed that hallway, that was actually a very short hallway, was that they changed the pictures so they would give the impression as they walked by that they, they were walking longer than they had. So, in when Red is going down the hallway, there's a picture on the wall that is a, a landscape. When Liz is walking down the hall, there is a picture of a family. Mom, dad, and the beach. Mom, that kid on the beach with a kid in between them. I didn't notice the pictures. Didn't look that closely. Yeah, and then you. I remember the the fire uh, house. How that was one of the things in there. But there was another thing that always caught my attention, and not just me. A a, a lot of the of the super fans that love to analyze the fire store, the fire um, uh, sequences, is that there is not furniture to be seen in that house there is nothing there is just that night table with the lamp and the and the, and the rabbit and there is like a shelf with uh, the rabbit in a ballet shoe and some coloring books and a christmas ornament with a rabbit in it and that's it there is no furniture ever to be seen well i think part of that could be because it's a dream or it's uh, you know Manipulated memories. No, no, no. I don't think that. See, I, I think that a lot of people think that everything was manipulated. I don't think it was. I actually think that she remembered everything the way it was, or most of what it was under Dr. Orchard, especially once Red was there. What I think, if you think of what Dr. Kilov did with Wrestler, he, he got something that was real when they got to get the witness. And she gets taken. That was real. And from there, he created a memory that continued that story. Yeah. So that at the end, Reza will go and finish the story by killing Hitchens. Or making a mess of himself and getting lost in it. And in the manipulated memories, in the memories that she retrieves in 222 you see that there is a fight between a man and a woman. So I went back and I looked at the original fight that she sees, you know, in the end of the corridor, in the in the 210 recall. And it more or less correspond to what she's seeing in 220. Interesting. In 222. There's a point where where the, the man is going at it's always, as I've always known, it's a fight between three people. I just didn't know who was the person, the other person. And there's a point in the in the 210 recall that you see the tall blonde man, like, swipe it out as someone on the, that is on the right and take her down. And then he turns and he starts the fight with, with the man in the hat. That corresponds exactly in the movements. Uh, to the fight in 222. So that is the point. So I think that what, what Krylov did is the same thing that he did with Wrestler. He took a scene that was there, convinced Liz that 
that at the end changed the 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 ending and make her shoot the father or the the man. So it's not that he created a whole new thing. It's simply that he created that change in the ending. Red has stated before that she shot her dad. Mm-mm. She's never said that. Nope. Oh. I have I have several posts on the subject. Protect you from the memory of. Ah. But it's not the same. No, no, you're right. If that's if that's the phrasing, then you're right. <clears throat> and then says, and then he clearly says, a man who can manipulate memories, you know, the image, the a, a fire in which a, a four year old kills her father. So basically, he's saying that's a manipulating memory that didn't happen. And if you look about red, the man in the hat is shot from the back. So that's not what she sees. The man in the back is shot. <coughs> It falls backwards or the left, and in her memory falls in the front. Then the woman in the fight changes, and it's not the feminine-looking Katerina, but somebody that looks like a man. And the man who's falling looks, as he's falling, looks like the blonde, and when he's on the ground, looks like red. So you can tell that she was fighting him. She, he was trying to tell her, no, the man that was shot, you shot him, and he's, it was this person, and Liz knows that that's not true. So it, it to me, it, may, it was a, a way of making another comparison to a house that I always felt that there was something very weird about that house of the fire. The more I analyze it, I don't think that it, I don't think it was Katerina rescuing Liz from Red. I think it was Katerina and Red le- rescuing Liz from a third man. And if Katerina had to track him and find the man, the man was not living in, in his house. So I think that he had Liz stashed in some house, taken care of by a couple of goons. And, and it was not a real house, that she was not a real bedroom. They probably had goons taking care of her. I mean, we, we've seen staged houses before where Liz and, and Tom stayed while they were looking for Agnes. Mm-hmm. That was basically a staged home. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that there was something there in the way that... And then you have the kitchen with all this equipment. So I think that that was either a watch post or something. Oh, I think we're about going to have to wrap that up because I don't have anything additional to add and... Tessa is can talk if I had to about to keel over, and I would prefer to keep her breathing. Personally, <laughs> I'm selfish that way. <laughs> Thank you, much appreciated. <laughs> so, all right. Well, it's a little shorter this week, but we will be back next week, and then I think there's at least a two week hiatus. It's oh it's no, really it's like goofy. a month. Is it okay? It's like a month because it's a Winter Olympics. I, I know that the Olympics are there, so that's several weeks. Mm-hmm. But but we are back next week because I I thought we were off mm-hmm. again next week. I thought they were doing re- really odd things this time, but I, it was confirmed that next week's the Dom week, and I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we will see you next week. You can find us on Facebook, on Tumblr, and on Twitter, and you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. Until and next until week. next week. Bye bye.